0: Welcome, Action Alerts Plus members. This is Chris Versace. And once again, I am joined by my best pal when it comes to the AAP portfolio and life in general, Bob Lang. Hey, Bob, uh, as we're talking, we, we've just completed the Labor Day weekend. I, I hope you had a restful time. Uh, you know that it's, uh, you know, despite what some people might think with September, the solstice coming in a few weeks, summer's effectively over. And for you and I, it is a uh, Back to work.
1: Yes, it is, and you know the heat has been on for most of the country. Of course, um, you know, being from the West Coast, I'm now living in the New England uh, today. But uh, the West Coast, uh, I was hearing a lot of hot temperatures there. Uh, drought conditions continue to uh, permeate, and energy prices are starting to rise. Um, across the country, not just in Europe and w- which we've seen more recently and some some uh, developments over the weekend but also across the country here in the United States Chris and you know I, I have a feeling that um, you know a lot of uh, people are going are, are going are to get a surprise in their electric bill uh, and energy bill going forward and that's not just at the gas tank Chris it's at the uh, elec- it's, it's their electricity bill or gas bills oh. at home and it's going to be an unwelcome surprise.
0: Well, that's, you know, we, we touched on that when we had this conversation last week. And I, I think just to point it out, you know, that's really going to be tied to natural gas. That That's really one of the, the big inputs when it comes to electricity. As people, you know, to your point, ratchet up the dial on their air conditioning to try and cool off from those temperatures. And I, I was just reading, actually, that September is also supposed to be warmer than usual. So a, a little more pain for consumers, and and unfortunately for some, a little less discretionary income. But you know, Bob, as as we kind of uh, move into the week, and it's it's a busy one. Let let let's not you know kid ourselves here. Not only is it four days, you know, five days crammed into four. But, you know, there's a number of conferences. Apple's got their event. Uh, Powell's speaking later in the week. We, we have our own monthly member call where we'll be talking about quite, quite uh, a number of things as well. But, you know, uh, when, I, when I talked earlier on Monday doing the rundown, I, I had said, you know, uh, oscillators are overbought. And and of course, I, you know, consulted with you on that. But let's, let's talk turkey here, Bob, as they say. Uh, what, when you strap on your technical hat, What are the oscillators telling you? What might we see
1: uh, in the coming days? Well, um, as you mentioned, it it is a short week. There's an old, old Wall Street adage that goes, sometimes a short week turns into a long one. <laughs>
0: and, yes, uh, and, and before you go on, Bob, I just want members to know that I will one, I always tip my hat because you are far better at these at turning these phrases than I am. Two, your memory for these phrases is impeccable, and three, I will never play Trivial Pursuit with you.
1: Uh, well, you know, and I can't, I, I can, I can remember these phrases, Chris, from years and years ago, but I still can't remember what I ate for dinner last night. So. <laughs> um, But anyway, so as it relates to the markets, um, uh, the the oscillators are extremely oversold right now. And there were levels that we haven't seen in um since january and actually prior to that we haven't seen these levels from back in uh, march of uh, 2020 and we we'll, of course remember that the uh, the S&P 500 dropped close to 35% in that one month alone so um it, it's 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 incredible that, that we've seen so much selling here but it really does make a lot of sense chris when we see uh you know earnings estimates coming down we see uh warnings coming out from some companies we see layoffs are really starting to to happen in a much bigger way than we've had recently even though the jobs number did come up pretty nicely 300 plus 1000 uh jobs uh, last month on the heels of 520,000 in July still with those uh, statistics there we we do see down the road some 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 rough sledding for the economy and and for and and for the markets in general so it does make a lot of sense that we'd see uh, a lot of selling going on. And then when you throw on top of that, this is just uh, the cherry on the on, on on the on the icing here is that quantitative tightening is really starting to ratchet up in September. and I think they're going to be uh, selling up to 90 billion dollars a month in bonds um, between mortgages and uh, treasuries. and we saw a lot of that uh, starting to happen last Thursday. I, I was uh, I think I mentioned to you, Chris, the um, Fed balance sheet reduction. Numbers come out every Thursday after, uh, or, well, whatever their balance sheet is. So, this reduction has been happening in a big way for the last couple of weeks, and it's going to continue to, to happen in a big way. So, we're seeing a lot of erratic uh, movements in the market because of that.
0: So, you know, obviously the market reacts to information, and, you know, it, it's like a pendulum where it swings, right? And from time to time, it, it swings in such a way that it overreacts. Is that, is that the way to interpret the oscillators You know, being very oversold, that the market is priced in a lot of bad information, even though we might get more based on what it's seen thus far, it's priced in a lot of negative information, uh, but because it's so oversold, we could see a little bounce back, but then as more information comes in, we need to reassess where the oscillators are. Is, is that a fair
1: way to be thinking about it? Well, this is a good time to tell everybody what what the oscillators really mean or what they're telling us here. And simply put, it's just a uh, a measure of of breath. What is the breath? It's not it's not the stuff that comes out of your mouth. Rather, it's just the strength of the markets or the weakness of the market, as opposed when we relate to uh, issues climbing or or issues dropping. So when you have a market that's got good strong breath, b r e a d t h. We see that the, uh, the, the strength of the market is, is supported by buyers coming in, picking up, picking up stock prices, especially when they dip. Now, the, uh, the converse of that, when we have very poor breath in the market, it means that there's uh, a, a condition called distribution, which means that, that big institutions are selling stocks. And it often happens hand over fist. And, you know, all it is is a really, uh, we're, we're talking about momentum and flows, right? You know, it waves in the in, in, in the ocean go in, the tide goes in, the tide goes out. This is similar what we're talking about, you know, with, with breath and uh, with the oscillators here. So when the tide's going out, we see that um, markets are, you know, basically the breath is, is really poor. And we see stock prices starting to go down uh, when they ex- when they hit extreme levels, the anticipation of that is that we're going to reverse and go to the upside. But let's let's make, let's make no mistake in a bear market, um, oversold markets don't necessarily signal that it's a time to buy. Oversold markets can stay oversold for a, a very long period of time and get even more oversold than anybody thinks, which is where we're at right now.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's kind of what I was getting at because, you know, even, you know, with the data that we got, you know, coming back from the Labor Day holiday, it it points to a couple of things. One, uh, you know, China is extending its lockdowns. The um, the services data for August, especially that by S and P Global, I mean it just continues to point to a continued continued slowing with more on the way, given the new order contraction. Meanwhile, the ISM service data, uh, you know the the inflation component or the price paid index, I should say, didn't really move down very much, which tells you that those inflationary pressures will be there. And then you know as we started off, you you reminded everybody about you know what's going on in energy. Um, you know, that's really going to sock it to the folks over in Europe much more so than us, even though we will feel that pain. It, it's just a big recipe for a lot of headwinds, Bob. And I, and I think that's why when we look at some of the earnings expectations for the second half of the year, um, you know, right before the Labor Day holiday compared to what they were uh, exiting June, so about two months, you know, the second half of the year expectations for the S&P 500 called for plus 9.7% growth second half of the year or the first half in June. That has tumbled and it's barely over 3% now. And my concern is that in the coming days when we have a sea of investor conferences, companies are gonna you know, talk more about what they're seeing in real time, dollar headwinds, for example, and, and the impact of the economic data that we just rattled off, that those expectations are gonna come down even further, Bob. And, and you and I both know that as those numbers come down, you know, it's not usually very good for the market. So, Chris, do you hear that whispering sound? Um, you- is, is is
1: that a mouse? Is that a mouse? What is to- that? That whispering that's going on is these analysts telling their 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 fund their fund people their their uh, client managers, hey, we're taking the markets uh, down with. Earnings estimates, pass it on. So those things <laughs> happen before they actually are heard by the media. I know, I know. There's some Chinese wall that was supposed to be up some 22 years ago, Chris, and you've been, you've been in that uh, sell side. Uh, yes, I have since before. So you, you understand you know, how these things work and, and I,
0: I, I, I do understand some of the games like keeping your price target, you know your earnings expectations just out of reach so you can you know say yes, I was right, they missed and all those other games that people play. But, but yeah. you, but you are but you are right though. you are right though that you know taking your numbers down is is no um, it's no easy you know task. And you have to consider the ripple effects as it relates to the companies that you're recommending, the price targets that you have. There, there is much deeper thought that, that should be going on, let's say. But when we see such pronounced cuts, it, it does tell us that there's a lot going on. More importantly, with a month to go in the quarter, we haven't seen the last of these revisions.
1: And then also you know i think the fed is is going to hit the markets up with a two by four with the with the fact that they're raising interest rates uh and and i don't uh, frankly a i don't think they know how far they're going to raise interest rates and b is the is the market really pricing in perhaps a four percent fed funds rate by the end of the year because that's where the fed funds futures are are at and c um the fact that earnings estimates are going to come down based on 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 a higher uh higher interest rate environment. And we, we just haven't seen that adjustment made. And and frankly, these Fed rate hikes, Chris, haven't been felt yet. They won't obviously be felt in the economy for about eight months after the first rate hike. When was that? March? So yeah, Well, June, February, the,
0: thing, March. the thing that gets me though is in the um so SP Global puts out that flash PMI for the forthcoming month. About three, three and a half weeks into the current month, right? So when we got the flash PMI report for August, it said that at the margin they were starting to see uh, companies back off because rates were starting because of the impact of higher interest rates. Now, now think about that. That was August, right? We had two rate hikes, and right now the Fed fund futures are—you you know this better than I—two and a quarter, two fifty, something like that but it's going to go you know 150 175 basis points higher which means natural headwind to the economy and we're going to hear more companies talking about that as their borrowing costs go higher but it's also going to hit consumers because their borrowing costs their variable bar- variable borrowing costs will go higher as well i.e. credit cards
1: so when you marry the uh, the, the fact that the fed is raising interest rates with the, with with the with the combination of uh, there's quantitative tightening going on, which means that we're going to reduce liquidity in the in, in the uh, in from the bond market, which in, in essence is being re- the liquidity is being removed from the markets in general. When you mar- marry those two things together, it's not a positive for the markets for the stock market right now. And I, you know, I know valuations are, are are considerations. Some people think that um, there's some positives going on. Uh, for the rest of the year, I heard somebody, um, I heard Tom Lee, for instance, last week, Chris, saying that uh, I see some positives happening uh, in the latter half of the year. Well, you know, he also did say 100000 on the Bitcoin by the end of the year, too.
0: So <laughs> I don't, so... So, I don't
1: want to criticize him, but you know, still, you know, no, I think no, no, no. I mean, look, look. These, the, these are all
0: opinions. They're not the opinions that we use to manage the portfolio. So, right. but I mean, as, as as I sit here, and you know, we we've got the Apple event coming. Like I said, other investor conferences. Powell speaking later in the week. Uh, I can't think of anything out there other than you know the improbable, which is all of a sudden Russia and Ukraine go. You know what? Forget it. War's over. Right, unless we see something dramatic and out of nowhere like that, I, I, I don't see any reason for earnings expectations to move higher, you know, this week or, or to be honest, in, in the next few.
1: No, and 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 there's a whole other uh, whole issue that we talked about recently, Chris, is uh, redemptions. You know, and I think hedge fund redemptions are a, a big thing that uh, people aren't really paying attention to. With the S&P 500 down close to 17% on the year, the Nasdaq down almost 25, almost 26% in uh, 2022, you know, people are, are going to say, hey, look, you know what, I give up. I'm, I'm uncle. And, uh, you know, well, oftentimes these redemptions have to be made 45 days before um, the deadline. And oftentimes the deadline <clears throat> for distribution is October 31st, so 45 days before. We're talking September 15th, which is coming up in about a week and a half. Uh, you know, so a lot of those. Wait a minute, have, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: 45 days? About 45 days before. So, so September, that, would, that would be the middle of August.
1: No, no, no. Uh, you said October first. October thirty
0: first. Okay, thirty first. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. Okay. No, yeah. no, no. no.
1: October thirty first. So uh, about forty five days before that would be about the middle of September. So, um, so you know, people come in, they write their, their their fund managers and say, hey, look, you know, I want to get out. And what what do the fund managers have to do? They have to raise cash because they're going to be sending that money back. Uh, to their to their clients at the end of at the end of uh, end of October. So um, uh, that a lot of that was going on way back when 20 plus years ago when I was helping to manage pension fund money uh, when I wanted a distribution I often get it like I, I would ask for it on a Friday I'd get it the next Monday but that that was uh, because I was a I was a hard ass with my fund managers but oftentimes these guys uh, they have to wait until their, their window to uh to get their distribution money uh out of it if they want to get out of it. So there's that there's that whole headwind coming up to then and, and again this is something that you won't hear a lot about until after October. Oh yeah, so and so hedge fund had to sell a lot of stocks to raise a lot of money because they had a big distribution. Oh, really? It happened back in September? I didn't know that.
0: Right, right. Okay. Okay. Well, is, is as we look forward Bob is, is there anything in particular that you're looking, you know, at this week? I know, you know, for example, uh, you know, we've said it once or twice already. Powell's talking later. Apple, I think, will be the usual Apple fair. You know, new models. Maybe they take the wrap off the new watch. You know, you know, nice to have, not nothing need to have, in my opinion. I think it'll continue to foster the Apple upgrade cycle among the older install base uh, folks, i.e., iPhones. Call it, you know, before uh, the iPhone, you know, twelve most likely, which is a good number of people. Uh, but to me, the, the real juice here is some unexpected services or new product. And, and in my reading, it doesn't look like we're going to get a um, VR headset this year at all. That, that looks increasingly like a 2023 event. Um, the only other thing that I've read is Apple might be holding an, an October event to introduce some new Macs as well as perhaps a new iPad or two uh, if that turns out to be the case, you know, given the fact that we have universal display in the bullpen, you know, if Apple elects to finally unveil an organic light-emitting diode iPad, then we'd have to rethink that that uh, bullpen holding. But uh, anything, anything, you know, you're watching, Bob.
1: No, nothing, 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 any more than that, Chris. You know, I. I... I'm going to be watching a lot of these infra- infrastructure stocks and a couple of names that we recently put in the uh, in the portfolio and that were in the bullpen. The Vulcan Materials is the one that, that really has my interest, uh, and I really like this name a lot. We do have – Marietta, uh, Mark Marietta uh, materials in the bullpen right now. It's very similar looking chart. I'm watching these names. United Rentals has been a good stock for us. It's been on a tear since the uh, early part of uh, June, the late part of May, and it went up a, a ton. We did take some money off the table there. It's pulling back to an area where we're, we we might be considering adding a little bit more. Uh, it's been it's been very strong. Um, and then also, uh, you know, a couple of names that we have to do have in the bullpen. One new one that we added. Um, U, which uh, symbol Y O U, uh, which is a uh, clear. Um, you might want to talk about that a little bit more, Chris. That uh, that's that's been a uh, stock it's been a pretty volatile name, but it's really away from what the rest of the market is doing. It's not a consumer name. It's not a housing name. It's not technology. Uh, to to a certain extent, it is, but I mean, really not technology. It's more security. So it really brings it a, a new dimension to what um, to 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 the portfolio if we do decide to add it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a very, very sure. different name in, in many respects the way that, um, whatchamacallit, uh, AMN was very different when we added it. ChargePoint was very different when we added it. So, you know, I, I, we, we like to have those new names. But, you know, again, similar to my comments about universal display, we're not going to add a name until we're we're ready to do so. Just because it's in the bullpen, you you alluded to Martin Marietta being in the bullpen, but of course we, we called up Vulcan materials before it. So, um, you know, we will continue to do our homework, always assessing the combination of, you know, favorable upside to downside for the fundamentals, but also we've got to have the technical setup, you know, tell us, you know, big thumbs up as well. Uh, But make no mistake, uh, you know, the whole reason by putting Clear Secure in the bullpen was uh, digital privacy and data privacy, digital identity. And, you know, over the long weekend, Ireland, Bob, just fined Meta 405 million euros because Instagram bungled a teen's personal information. So, you know, this is just and we're going to hear a lot more about this. To me, this is a lot like why we have cyber in the portfolio right we can just continue to hear day in day out it seems you know everybody's being hacked more ransomware rising tide so while we continue to like cyber i think we're going to see a lot of legs for data privacy and digital identity as well
1: just the tip of the iceberg i think with some of these cyber hacking you know i think you're seeing probably you know multiple uh reports of these every single day right i mean i you send these things to me all the time you send me, me text messages another cyber hack here another one there you know around the world not just here in the united states so i mean these things are so the, these these names are so critical to uh to be on your on your screen i think we have zscaler coming out later on this week reporting so that's another name that's in that uh, in the security uh cyber business um, Cyber came out recently and with, with some really decent numbers as well, too. Palo Alto Network. So all these stocks uh, are, are important or critical um, for, um, for success in, um, in, in, this, in this business. I agree. And,
0: and you know, it, it, it's interesting, right? So uh, one of the things I was looking at was expectations for info technology spending in 2022. And, and you know, FactSet compiles a lot of this data and at the second half of the year, June 30th, uh, they saw uh, Infotech revenue was gonna be up 11.3% year over year. Now that's the S&P sector you know, aggregated together, but you know, what did we hear lately from, uh, we heard from Salesforce, we heard from Dell, Uh, and some others that, oh, enterprise spending is slowing. So it's not surprising that uh, when they updated the numbers for September 2nd, uh, that spending for Infotech revenue is only expected to be up 9.4%. And I think we're going to see that continue to tick lower as companies pull back. But the area that they're not slowing spending on, Bob, cybersecurity. So I agree with you 100% on that.
1: Now- um, (laughs) So, Chris, I was going to say about cybersecurity is that, you know, we're coming up on the 21-year anniversary of uh, 9-11 in a, in a few more days. And I remember back then in 2011, right after, or 2001, right after 2002, it was, it was uh, demanded by CEOs, and not just in the government, but CEOs as well, too, to have a budget and start spending on, on security. And then, you know, <clears throat> 10 years later, when cybersecurity started to become a big thing, you know that, that these these companies have enormous budgets that they have to spend on this stuff to protect them, protect their data, and protect their employees and and to protect their customers.
0: Oh, they're crown jewels. There's no question about it. In fact, I saw one study over the weekend that said uh, of a survey of I think a thousand CEOs, forty three percent said that they were not adequately adequately prepared. For a cyber attack, so again, another reason to think that there's going to be even more spending on that. Um, I want to talk on two things before we get out of here. Um, Last week, with the portfolio, we exited Nvidia. Now, you know, this may not have been a popular decision at the time, but I think as you and I had talked about it, look, there's a number, a number of things that have been happening with with this company. Um, You know, the biggest was the. Guidance cut that they had, which is, you know, again, we trimmed the position before they reported earnings because of our concerns about that. They turned around and they did it. And then last week, unexpectedly, the US government instilled a license to export certain uh, chip types to China and Russia. And of course, this hit NVIDIA again. Um, You know, to us, just too much uncertainty and risk to the downside to be had. From a fundamental perspective, but I also know you said that there was a lot more downside with Nvidia shares from the technicals.
1: Yeah, so um, just recently, you know, when the stock got belted the other day um, on uh, Thursday um, on some on some news, it also uh, fell below those uh, July lows, which was about one hundred and thirty nine or half and uh you know there's some there's some targets to the downside Chris about 125 even a little bit lower than that about 115. so you know we're ticking right now 136 we're down a little bit uh this morning or this afternoon and um you know and frankly uh you know there's there's really again we talked about oversold markets there's not a reason to buy and so just because the stock is oversold right now it currently is there's, there's not a reason to buy because it's a it's a widely held name and uh, a lot of the big institutions are around and know what, what's going on with this name, and they're gonna they're they're gonna stay away from it right now. And if they don't, if they have some shares, they're probably gonna be dumping it uh, on the market. So we we were happy to get rid of it when we did. We know there's some downside. Listen, we can always review it um, and and revisit the name uh, if it if it pops back up again and for, for interest. But for right now, it's, it's I'm glad we're out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I certainly agree with you on that. It's um, you know I, I again I, I just. To go back to my comments about earnings expectations, when when it comes to the PC market, gaming market, and some of these others, I I just, you know, what's the catalyst to turn those markets around? That's the question that we have to ask. And if we can't see it, it becomes hard to justify staying in the position when the other fundamentals and the technicals are are telling us we shouldn't be here. Um, Okay, so the last thing I wanna talk about is is something that you brought up um, when you and I were chatting early today, and I'll, I'll preface it by this. Um, those same fact set uh, revenue expectations for 2022 back in uh, the end of June, the financial sector revenues were looking like they'd be up 3% year over year. Now they're only up 1.3%, so less than half what they were. Again, that's compared mm-hmm. to just two months ago. But, wow. but there seems to be a, a disconnect, Bob, and I, and I want you to kind of walk us through it. And, and here it is. But interest rates are going higher isn't that good for net interest income? And 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 I'll and I'll set you up for it by saying, take that thought and compare it with the data that we're seeing that says the economy is slowing, Bob. What 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 what's the disconnect there that people may not be uh, catching?
1: So I think that's the lazy man's answer when it comes to. Um, banks and 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 interest rates, right? The assumption is that as interest rates go up, the net interest margin is going to increase. So, what is that net interest margin? It's really basically, it's a simple crude <clears throat> formula of the difference between what the banks are are charging for uh, each other for to borrow money versus what they're paying out to uh, to customers, right? And and when you deposit your money with them, you you get it, You're, you're going to get an interest rate. So in theory, that, that tends, tends to be right. However, when you're, when you're entering into a, a slower economy, um, this is how banks make money, right? And banks make money by lending it, by borrowing it from their uh, investors or, and then loaning it out to people who want to do something with it. Start a business, buy a house, whatever, right? It's just a simple, plain, uh, plain formula here that banks use to, to make money. Of course, they have other sources of making money, but we're just talking about the plain vanilla stuff right now. So when the economy closed like, like, down, yeah, I'm
0: sorry, kind, yeah, kind of like a kind of like a Wells Fargo, not it, not not necessarily like a J.P. Morgan that has all sorts of operations.
1: Yeah, so like for instance, like a Wells Fargo or U.S. Bank, for instance, uh, Key Bank maybe, not sexy type of business, but you know very reliable and standard um, lending and borrowing. Uh, programs for 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 their for their uh, customers. So, um, but when the economy starts to slow down, the demand also slows down for those loans. It also slows down for people who are um, investing money. Even more people are withdrawing money from their accounts, from their savings accounts, and not and not investing it.
0: Don't the credit expectations also move higher as well because the banks are being far more selective in the loans that they are willing to give out?
1: That's right. Credit quality becomes a much more important part of their business and. You know as we saw back in the financial crisis that credit quality um idea was kind of thrown out the window they didn't really care about credit quality at then they just all they cared about was making more loans it didn't really much matter if you had good credit or not or if you had a job remember those ninja loans chris remember Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, problem you know
0: it's funny you say that i just saw bank of america I, i forget what website i was on but they're apparently looking at some type of new, some new product, no money down, no interest to begin with. Sound familiar?
1: It sure does, sure does. And, and, and you know, and, and, and banks, you know, have, have uh, to deal with uh, not just with their customers, but also have to deal with their shareholders, right? They have to make money for their shareholders and they have to figure out some way to do it um, to keep their stock, uh, prices up, you know. Otherwise, they're gonna they're gonna crumble and they're gonna come come down, um, as they should. When the economy is is weak like that, there's a strong correlation between economic strength or weakness and banking strength or weakness. Strong correlation with that. So when when the economy is starting to weaken, um, it is much the the hurdle for uh, for banks to make money and and keep that multiple is uh, is even higher than it was before. So I, I think going forward. You have to look at these banks as saying that you know what there's 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 some impending weakness here, with a lot of these banks that the economy continues to downshift and we we get lower uh, lower expectations. Of course, in two weeks, Chris, when we have the Fed meeting, where they're going to have their expectations coming out for projections coming out for GDP, unemployment, Fed funds and uh un- unemployment fed funds gdp and inflation so they're going to be talking about all these different uh uh characteristics here going forward into 2023 and even 2024 so if their expectations are down or lower then you know um you know you have to think that even this group is going to get hit hard
0: uh i think all i heard from all of that is uh members should not look for us to add a bank anytime soon
1: that 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 that, that would be correct yeah
0: all right bob <laughs> bob let's uh let's leave it there. It's always great to talk to you. And of course, this is just one of the many conversations you and I have, but we're so happy to be able to share these with members to give them greater insight to what we're thinking about what we're reading and how that can factor into some of the portfolio decisions that we make. So members, we'll be back next week.